Chapter 20 It had been over a week and Thea was still yet to speak to Hermione. She knew he was angry and was more than happy to give him the time he needed, but there was still the small niggling doubt in the back of her mind that if he was going to get this angry with her because she wouldn't have sex with him, then was he really the right guy for her? She quickly pushed these feelings down. She was being stupid, and there was only one way she was going to solve this once and for all. Ginny. She found the fiery redhead perched in a windowsill at the base of Gryffindor Tower, heads deep in a book about Quidditch strategies. Hey, have... Ginny stopped abruptly when she looked up at her friend sinking into the seat next to her, eyes red and puffy from fighting back tears. Hey, hey, what's the matter? She took Hermione in her arms and gave her a Weasley bear hug that she didn't even know she was craving until that moment. Still in Ginny's embrace, Hermione choked out a Theo before falling apart on her friend's shoulder. Ginny didn't let go of her until she got all her tears out, sitting there in silence to let her friend get her breathing back under control. Hermione couldn't put into words how much she appreciated this girl as she finally pulled away, resting her trembling hands on Ginny's lap. Tell me what happened. She opened up to Ginny about everything, telling her about all the dates she'd been on with Theo and how amazing he had been, about all the things that now triggered her during their year on the run, to which Ginny gasped and squeezed her hands tighter, about why these situations kept creeping back into her mind when Theo touched her in a certain way, about how disappointed she was in herself for not being able to just let herself fully trust that not all men were like the monsters she had been traumatised by, and about how Theo hadn't spoken to her for over a week after their last trust. I built it up so much for him with that party and dress and taking him back to his room. I set it all up and then ripped it away from him. No wonder he's angry with me. Hermione could feel the tears starting to prickle in her eyes as she came to the end of her 20-minute rant. Ginny shook her head. No, no, don't you dare, irrespective of whether you thought you wanted it or not. When the time comes, no matter what, no means no. Any man worthy of your time would know that and respect that. If he's angry, then fine, let him be angry. What he does next will be the telltale sign as to whether he actually is a good man or not. Hermione sighed. You always know what to say, Jin, and I know you're right. I know he's a good guy. He's shown me that. Give him a few more days. You know what these Slytherins are like. Hermione nodded before hugging her friend. So, Ginny continued, giggling, now we've sorted out your love life, can you help me with mine? Yours, said Hermione, confused. Everything had seemed fine after Ginny's incident, and Harry had been nothing but a fantastic support to her. Then again, however much her friend insisted that she had no idea what happened to her, and had no intentions of harming herself, Hermione couldn't help but notice the small breaks in her smile most days. Is everything all right, Jin? With Harry? With everything? Yes, stop worrying about me. Ginny shot a genuine smile at her friend. Honestly, I'm happy. And Harry has been amazing. I just... We don't know. Take your time. He's been so supportive with everything. He really has. But it just feels like since we're no longer spending almost every day together, I've noticed that I don't actually miss him as much as I should when he's not here. 
I know I'm not the best person in regards to relationships, Hermione sighed. Between Ron and Theo, I'm surprised I even function in terms of being someone's girlfriend. She was glad this made Ginny giggle a little bit. But I do know that Harry loves you, and you love him. And whether that's a romantic couple or just as really close friends, you have to do what will make you happy. I know. I just don't know what that is yet. Don't rush it. You've got plenty of time before you see him again to decide what you want to do. Hermione brushed a tear away from Ginny's cheek. And you know I'll always be here for you, irrespective of what happens. Ginny smiled, shaking her head. I'll figure it out. I always do. The girls sat in relative silence for a few seconds, processing their conversation, before Ginny piped up. So, what are you going to do about Theo? I know he's a good guy. He's shown me that, but I can't help but feel like I'm drifting further away from him the more he ignores me. Ginny nodded in response before resting her head on Hermione's shoulders, and the girls returned to the contemplative silence, just being in each other's presence enough to calm them both. Theo was angry, more than angry. He tried so hard with Hermione since the summer to build up a friendship with her, build up a relationship with her, and yet she still didn't trust him. He was at a loss for what to do, taking his anger out on an unsuspecting bed of flowers that sat at the entrance to the bridge. In all his years at Hogwarts, he'd never had any issues getting girls. Granted, none of them had been particularly long-term or useful to him once he'd bedded them, but they still flocked to him in earnest. Well, generally after they'd been used up by Draco or Blaze and finally noticed that he existed as a rebound fuck. He'd always lived in the shadow of his fellow Slytherins. No matter how hard he tried to make himself stand out, no matter how much money his family had, no matter how much of an important role his father played in the Dark Lord's inner circle, he was always an afterthought to everyone in his life. Until Hermione. She saw him. She made him feel like he was actually seen for once in his life. She was the answer to all his problems. Until he'd noticed how Draco seemed to still have his little infatuation with her, and how she had welcomed his friend back with open arms much more than he had expected she would, and how he caught them stealing looks at one another across the rooms on more than one occasion. He would not let Draco do this to him again, he would not lose Hermione to anyone, especially not Draco Malfoy. He angrily cast an incendio at the pompously swaying plants, disintegrating them in a flash of flames before storming back to the castle. Hermione was his, and he needed a way to stop Draco from muscling his way in like he always did when he wanted something. There was no way Hermione would willingly leave him. He'd been perfect to her giving her the date she wanted and always complimenting her when she looked particularly pretty. At least, that's what he thought, until he overheard the end of a conversation between his girlfriend and the youngest Weasley at the base of the Gryffindor Tower. He heard them talking before he saw them, sliding his way into the shadows behind a suit of armour to spy on them. So what are you going to do about Theo? He heard the Weasley girl say. I know he's a good guy, he's shown me that, but... I can't help feel like I'm drifting further away from him the more he ignores me. Shit, he thought. He had been ignoring her for quite some time in his anger, but he never realised that she would be offended enough to think about dumping him. He'd never been dumped before. 
though he'd never really had a girlfriend before, dumping them before his bed was even cold from them in the morning. Drastic measures are needed to get her to see that I'm the one she wants, not him, he thought. Draco sat across from his therapist, Eponine, in the private room behind McGonagall's office for the third time at Hogwarts, and still he refused to say anything to her beyond the odd word or grunt. He didn't want to talk about his father. He didn't want to talk about his friends. He didn't want to talk about school, and he certainly didn't want to talk about his past actions. Why didn't anyone understand that the nightmares, the taunting and the constant reminder branded onto his skin was enough for him to never forget it, and want to stay away from thinking about it as much as possible? So how are your personal relationships going? Draco sighed. It was going to be one of those sessions, where she pushed him to understand the importance of having people here in the castle he could rely on and talk to. You looked like you have a good group of friends? Looked? Draco quizzed, narrowing his eyes. Sorry. Eponine glanced down at her notes. It's probably not very professional to mention, but I saw you with your friends the other day. In the three broomsticks? Draco leaned forward making to protest before Eponine raised her hand. I, I didn't mean to pry. I wasn't checking up on you. I was visiting my sister, Hannah. She was in your year. She's working at the pub now. They're okay. Draco leaned back in his seat, relaxing, but making a point to look out of the window rather than his, at his therapist. I noticed that they're not all Slytherins. It's a good sign. Draco didn't move his eyes focused on the lines of the trees outside. Some Gryffindors in there as well? The trees were swaying lightly in the winter breeze. You seem to have a soft spot for Hermione Granger? Draco's eyes shot to Eponine's, giving her the best glare he could, without giving too much emotion away. She's nice, he started. She's with Theo. Ah. Eponine scribbled something down on her pad, causing Draco to flinch. There was a few moments of silence where he expected her to continue with her thoughts or questions, but she just sat there with a slight smile on her face staring at him. Was there a point to mentioning Granger? Eponine's smile grew. So, you want to discuss Miss Granger? Draco scowled. He hated when she did this to him. She knew the silences when she was clearly insinuating something made him nervous and uncomfortable, and always managed to turn it around to make him talk about something he really didn't want to. There's nothing else to say about her. She's nice, and she's with Theo. The fact she seemed to want to convince me that she is Theodore's girlfriend makes you think maybe it's not me you're trying to convince, but yourself. Draco looked at her confused. That's what she is. And that makes you, what, upset? Angry? Draco glared. You know, Draco, keeping reminding yourself that she is Theo's girlfriend isn't going to make your feelings go away. I don't have feelings for her, he spat. Eponine just nodded, noting something else down on her pad before standing up. I know you'll probably tell me to, excuse my language for quotation purposes, fuck off, but I really think you should start to get your feelings out in another way, she said, pulling a small leather journal out of her bag and handing it to him. I want to try something. She explained that she wanted him to write in the journal as much as he felt necessary. Whether that was doodles, notes to himself, 
Stories of times he's had with his friends or frustrations he wanted to vent out somewhere safe. She also wanted him to write letters to people who were important in his life or had made an impact in his life. Getting out whatever he wanted to internally say to them without them actually ever seeing it. It will be completely confidential. Even I won't see it. Press your want to the red dot on the spine and it will open to your magic only, she assured before ushering him through the door at the end of the session. Draco ran his fingers over the leather journal the whole way back to the common room. Stupid thing, as if I'd write down my feelings. This is not going to make me feel any better. The journal had been making him angrier and angrier the entire walk back. Ebony was stupid if she thought that he needed an outlet for his feelings, especially if she assumed those strong feelings were for Granger of all people. Sure, she was pretty and kind and he wanted to know what her hair felt like, but it was nothing more than a stupid schoolboy crush, probably brought on by one of his friends having a girlfriend when he was single. It didn't matter who it was. He'd almost made it all the way back to the common room when he stopped dead in his tracks, hearing the sounds of voices coming from around the corner. Goldstein and Finch Fletchley. I mean, I like not and all, he heard Goldstein say in his annoyingly haughty tone. But at the end of the day, he's part of that whole Death Eater crowd, and I don't think I can ever get on board with him being allowed back in the school. Former Death Eater, and that was just his dad, technically, Finch Fletchley interrupted. He never had the mark, and like Malfoy. Ugh, don't even get me started on Malfoy. All these stupid people in this castle giving their kind the time of day. It disgusts me, Goldstein spat. What about Granger? She seems to be forgiven them all. And Potter's always said she's an excellent judge of character. Oh, please, Goldstein guffawed. She dated that wheezy twat, for goodness sake. She clearly has no class or idea what good brooding is. She seems pretty enamoured of your mate, Finch Fletchley laughed. I wouldn't exactly call not a mate. It's more of a mutual understanding we have. Draco noticed something off in the way Goldstein had phrased his response. What could Theo and him have in common? Plus, Goldstein continued, Granger's got cracking tits, and hanging around not gives me an excuse to look at them more often. Laughter erupted between the two boys, echoing down the corridor and making Draco flinch in anger. Goldstein was a complete and utter pompous ass. Anyway, the ass continued. Alicia chose not. He's a pushover and probably the least evil out of the group. Can you imagine if you'd chosen someone like Malfoy as a pet project? Pet project? Is that what Theo is to Granger? Fuck that, Finch Fletchley laughed. Can you imagine? The Golden Girl and the Death Eater. She might be fit, but she's not all that. And even then, Malfoy wouldn't deserve to be wiped off her shoe in a pile of hippogriff dung. There was a sound of a friendly slap on a back as laughter erupted again between the boys, slowly dying down as they made their way back to the common room. Anger boiled up inside of Draco. How dare those fuckers speak about me like that? About Theo? About Granger? She's ten times the girl that anyone in this school is. She's beautiful, she's intelligent, she's... Shit, maybe it is more than a crush, he thought, punching the wall before storming off in the direction of the astronomy tower. Hermione needed time to think after her chat with Ginny. Somewhere where she wouldn't be disturbed, so she made her way through the corridors and up to the astronomy tower. But as she rounded the top of the spiral staircase, she noticed a familiar crop of silver-blonde hair 
sitting in the same spot as before, legs dangling over the edge of the tower. She silently made her move to sit down next to him again. It wasn't the alone time she'd hoped for, but at least it was something she didn't mind seeing. We've got to stop meeting like this, she let out a huffed laugh, slotting herself next to him and placing his legs over the edge between the railings. He didn't make eye contact with her, but raised his head in acknowledgement. Hermione sighed. Everything all right? You don't need to pretend you care, Granger. I'm fine. I'm not pretending. I actually do care. His heart skipped a beat at this until she continued. I care about all of Theo's friends. Yes, of course, Theo. He shook his head, finally making eye contact with her. Honestly, there's nothing for you to worry about. I'm fine. She nodded, but she could see in his eyes that there was definitely something wrong. They weren't their usual mercury, but a dull grey, bloodshot with tears, and his breath had a faint smell of fire whiskey. You're drunk, she stated. He let out a laugh, turning back to the view. Very observant of you, Granger. Why do you drink so much? Silence. I know it's tough being back at Hogwarts, she prodded. Silence. And I know it's got to be hard being in a common room with some people. Silence. And I know... No! Draco suddenly spat, glaring at her. What do you know, Granger? What do you really know? Her eyes twitched slightly, but she didn't let his sudden outburst face her. I know that you're a good person and that you have made mistakes and that people will forgive you in time. I know I have. He laughed at her and the rest. What do you mean? I'm not a good person. I've made colossal mistakes in my past, most of which are completely unforgivable. I'm here under court order, forced to live in the place where I made a chunk of those horrible mistakes, surrounded by people every day that remind me of all the lives I've probably been a contributing factor to ending. My friends act like everything is back to normal, and we're all living in this perfect, forgiven harmony world. But they don't hear the taunts and the comments from people who believe we shouldn't be here, who think some of us should be locked up, who think that so-called reformed Death Eaters like me should be dead. And to top it all off, my friend is a de- He stopped himself before revealing too much, clenching his fists before looking deep into her chocolate eyes. So no, Granger, you don't know. She could feel her eyes widen, knowing she probably looked like an idiot gawping at his revelations. She hadn't expected him to be so open with her. It was the first time she'd ever seen true emotion coming from Draco Malfoy. And it was beautiful. The way his jaw held strong, the way his eyes glistened like quicksilver, the way his long fingers ran through his soft hair. God, I want to touch that hair. Almost unconsciously, she felt herself placing her hands on top of his on his thigh, leaning further towards him. The fact that you're here and recognise those things you did a mistake says everything I need to know, Malfoy. Their eyes met then. Silver pools dancing in the light, amber orbs flickering with specks of gold, and before either knew what they were doing, or who closed the gap, their lips came together. The kiss was soft and caring, with neither of them moving for a few seconds. As Hermione started to move back from the kiss, she felt a hand at the nape of her neck. 
twining into her curls, pulling her deeper as Malfoy started to move his mouth over hers, begging for entry with his tongue, which she quickly welcomed. Their kiss deepened, with both of them curling their arms around the other to pull the the closer. Hermione's fingers caressed his jaw on either side, snaking her way up to finally feel that glorious head of hair, tugging on it lightly as she felt Malfoy's other hands squeeze around her waist and to the small of her back. The kiss was unlike any kiss she'd ever had before. With Victor, it had been clumsy and lacking in passion. With Ron, it had been quick and sloppy from built-up tension. With Theo, it felt warm and strong, but with Draco, there was something more, something safe about the way he kissed her. It was the first kiss she'd had since the war, where she felt her whole brain was in it, not trying to tug her away to repress nightmares. Malfoy was leaning into her now, slowly manoeuvring them so they were lying on the floor of the tower, him holding his body weight up over her as his hand left the small of her back and made its way to the hem of her skirt. Her thoughts suddenly shifted. This was wrong. She was with Theo. Theo. Theo, she whispered. Malfoy suddenly went stiff as her whisper ripped through his body. He broke their kiss, staring into her eyes with a new type of fire in his, the fire of anger. He dropped her from his hands, causing her to slump on the floor, and before she knew it, he had vanished with a swish of his robes and a distant bang of a door. Shit! she said Theo's name out loud. She didn't realise until that moment what Malfoy must think. She'd meant it as she couldn't continue kissing him as, as much as she had liked it, but she was with Theo and needed to sort things out with him first but she realised that to Malfoy it probably came across as her calling him the wrong name during their intimate moment. You fucking idiot. Chapter 21 How fucking stupid could he have been? Draco was seething as he stumbled back through the corridors of the castle to the 8th year common room. Despite his drunk state causing him to almost trip up one of the staircases and crash side-on into an unsuspecting suit of armour on the fifth floor, he surprisingly made it back to his dorm without being caught by any prefects or filch. He didn't even bother to respond when Blaze, the only person left in the common room's shared area at the time, asked him if he was okay as he practically ran past and slammed the door to his bedroom. Leaning against the door, he roughly pulled his hands through his hair and rubbed his face in desperation. It couldn't have been a worse situation if he had tried. Not only had he got a small taste of the girl who he'd been craving for years, but it also firmly solidified in his head that this was now much more than a crush. He wanted her, in every way. But not only did she clearly not want him, despite her lapse in judgement earlier, she had called him another man's name in the process. He felt like his skin was crawling with thousands of small bugs, pinching and scratching away at his flesh and burrowing into his brain. They were everywhere. He tore off his jumper and shirt, scraping his fingernails over his chest and upper arms, trying to rid himself of the sensation. Thin scratches dappling across his alabaster skin. It wouldn't stop. There was only one solution. He tried so hard not to, but the effects of Granger's refusal and the alcohol had put him in a state of no return. He wanted to. No, he needed to. 
feel the release that only his trusty silver box could provide. Scrambling across the room, he tore open his bedside table and took out his silver box, dumping the contents all over the floor before reaching for one of his trusty blades. He cast a quick sharpening charm on the razor and held it before his arm, forcing the hiccups caused by the tears he was holding back to stop by holding his breath. He had no idea how long he'd sat on his floor when his brain started to focus again. He'd worked himself up into such a state that he went into autopilot mode, cutting and crying, cutting and crying over and over again. Opening his eyes, he could feel the dampness along his arm, but he didn't look. There was also a faint banging sound in the distance. No, wait, that was close by. Someone was knocking on his door. No, someone was trying to break down his door. Some of those fucking twatty fucking wards! He could hear the muffled voice outside casting spell after spell, bashing his door in frustration after every try. He closed his eyes again. It was far too much effort to keep them open. There was a faint stinging sensation coming from his left arm, but he paid it no mind. The alcohol running through his veins numbed it enough for it to not matter. It was quite a nice feeling, being drunk and bleeding, Draco thought. Very serene, indeed. He eventually heard his door swing open, almost off the hinges as it bashed against his dresser, and the steps of someone rushing towards him. But he kept his eyes closed. He felt himself being lifted up on both sides. Was there more than one person there? He felt himself being shuffled onto his feet and pulled forwards, he tried taking a step with the motion, but his legs instantly gave out beneath him, and he let the blackness take him. He was much happier in the dark, after all. Hermione didn't leave the astronomy tower for another twenty minutes, still sat in shock at what had happened, the thoughts running through her mind at the million times an hour. What will Theo think of me? Should I tell him? What does Malfoy think of me? Why did it feel so good to kiss Malfoy when I'm with Theo? Why is Malfoy the only one I've not felt scared to be touched by in that way? These are definitely questions that weren't going to be answered at almost one in the morning, sitting at the top of the astronomy tower in a thin jumper, freezing one's ass off. Shaking her head, she started to make her way back down to the eighth-year common room. By now, everyone would have hopefully gone to bed, and Malfoy would have had time to get back to his room so she could slip past unnoticed. She almost got caught by Filch's cat, Mrs Norris, on her walk back. He was sniffing around a suit of armour that was strewn across the floor, meowing at it suspiciously. Hermione waited until the cat gave the armour one last glare and sauntered off in the opposite direction into the charms corridor. Slipping past quietly, she hurried along the corridor and down the stairs where the door to the common room came into view. As she muttered the password, she was expecting to be greeted by a warm gust of air from the ever-burning fireplace and the quiet sound of crackling from its embers. What she was actually faced with was the sound of shouting and banging from somewhere down the corridor to the dorms. Everyone was gathered in the common room in their pyjamas, looking scared. Hermione rushed over to Neville, who was standing holding Susan in a calming embrace as she bit her nails. Anthony and Justin were sitting on the sofas, chatting to themselves though they didn't look at all scared or bothered by the commotion. Pansy was sat in the corner furthest away from Hermione, curled into a ball on the floor, crying her eyes out. Theo, Blaze and Malfoy were nowhere to be seen, 
though she assumed they were responsible for the noise. What the fuck is going on? Hermione demanded of Neville. Turning to her, he answered quietly so as not to set Pansy off any further. Malfoy's locked himself in his room. Blaze said something about a silver box and his issues, though nobody seems to know what that means other than Blaze and Pansy. She's not in any state to make any sense at the moment, though. At that moment, Hermione heard Blaze shout, Salazar's fucking twat, he's fucking wards! from down the corridor as Theo came into view, searching around the room. He didn't even see Hermione, though she wasn't surprised. They still weren't on speaking terms. He hurried instead to Pansy, crouching down to her level and cupping her face in his hands. Pansy? He started stroking her face with his thumbs until she looked at him. We need to know the final ward on Malfoy's door. The one you did for us all at the start of the year. Pansy was shaking, and every time she tried to answer, she only managed a few gurgled sounds before bursting into tears again. By this point, Hermione was past caring if Thea was talking to her or not. Something was seriously wrong, and she needed to help her friends. Reaching into her small, extendable beaded bag, which she never went anywhere without since being on the run, she pulled out a vial of calming draught, striding over to Theo and thrusting it into his hands. He didn't say anything, but gave her a small smile and a nod before forcing Pansy to drink the concoction. A few moments later, her breathing had become less erratic, and her eyes looked as though they were actually able to focus. Pansy? Theo questioned, gently. She nodded. Quad volo. Theo nodded and dashed back to Malfoy's door, shouting the counterspell from the unusual ward. Everything was silent in the common rooms. Everyone waited for the two boys, hopefully three boys, to emerge from Malfoy's room. Hermione sat down on the floor next to Pansy as she started shaking and crying again, pulling the girl into her and hugging her tight. A few moments later, Theo ran back into the common room, covered in... What is that? Blood? Get Pomfrey! Now! he shouted at Neville who quickly released Susan and waved his wand to send an emergency Patronus to the hospital wing. Hermione was pleasantly surprised to see that his Patronus took a corporal form, a toad, of course, something he had never managed to do in Dumbledore's army's meetings or in the war. Theo ran back down the corridor to Malfoy's room to help Blaze, who was shouting back to him about needing help lifting something. The two boys emerged soon after with Malfoy between them, Pale and conscious and covered in blood, with Theo holding his legs and Blaze's arms wrapped around his chest, carrying him in the two-person carry method, Hermione had seen Fireman demonstrate once at her Muggle primary school. They made it almost all the way to the portrait hall, when Madame Pomfrey entered, flustered and half-dressed. She didn't even ask what was going on, taking one look at Malfoy and gasping. She quickly levitated him onto a conjured stretcher and hurried him through the door, Theo and Blaze in tow. The only sound in the common room for at least ten minutes after they had left was the soft closing of the door, the odd crackle from the fire, and soft sobbing hiccups from Pansy before Blaze and Theo came back. Blaze picked up Pansy and left with her through the portrait hole, muttering something about needing some potions and a good night's sleep, whilst Theo sat down next to Hermione, taking her hand in his. What on earth is going on, Theo? Is he okay? She stammered, frantically looking around his face for a clue. 
Theo smile the weak smile. He'll be fine, Princess. Don't worry. He's in good hands. I don't know what happened. Only Blames seem to have any idea of what's going on and he won't say anything. Pansy just worked herself into a state over all the commotion, I think. He squeezed her hand tightly, reassuring her that everything was fine and it looked a lot worse than it was. She wasn't entirely sure whether he was telling the truth or whether he was just trying to lighten the situation for her benefit, but she squeezed his hand back, feeling better. I'm sorry, he continued. I know it's not the best time, but I'd been meaning to talk to you tonight anyway. I was a complete and utter idiot, the way I acted and have been acting this past week. You're an incredible witch, Hermione Granger, and you're my princess and I don't want to lose you. She smiled at him weakly, feeling like her adrenaline was running out. That was all she had wanted to hear from him, that he understood and was sorry and had come to her first. She kissed him on the cheek and rested her head on his shoulder, muttering her forgiveness and asking if he'd take her to bed. Picking her up in a fireman's lift, he carried her back to her room and helped her get dressed for bed. He tore off his own clothes, still covered in Malfoy's blood, and chucked them into the fire. He crawled into her bed in just his boxes beside her and pulled her close, kissing her neck softly. Good night, princess, he whispered. Everything will be fine from now on. You'll see. She didn't even hear his last sentence, drifting off into sleep quickly, though her dreams were anything but calm, filled with screams, blood and guilty feelings. The next morning, Malfoy was still in the hospital wing, and Blaze and Pansy hadn't returned. Theo seemed quite chipper, but Hermione was under the impression it was for a bit of facade, so she decided that it wasn't the best time to reveal that she had kissed Malfoy less than half an hour before the incident had happened, promising herself that she would tell him eventually. She'd spent the night in Theo's bed, something she hadn't actually done before, and she'd been lying awake for over an hour with his arm wrapped around her waist and his warm, naked chest pushing into her back. She didn't feel particularly uncomfortable in this situation. He was her boyfriend, after all, and she was grateful that he had been a gentleman about it, especially as they had only just made up from their fight when he insinuated that she was just frigid. But the longer she lay awake, the more she wanted to get back in her own space and check on her friends. She tried to turn on her back slowly so she could better plan her escape from Theo's grasp, when he started to stir, tightening his grip around her waist and pulling her closer to him, nuzzling his nose into the crook of her neck. He kissed the spot just under her ear gently before murmuring a quiet, Good morning. Hermione could feel him smile against her neck as she returned his greeting and placed her hand over his on her hip. Theo finally opened his eyes as he raised her head back to the pillow, smiling. You stayed the night. I did, <laughs> she giggled nervously. Sorry. Don't be at all. I enjoyed having you over, even if it was after a bit of a traumatic evening. Hermione nodded. I was actually thinking of popping by the hospital wing before breakfast. She instantly felt Theo's grip loosen on her waist and saw the smile falter, if only for a second, on his face. He doesn't need you. He? Hermione looked at him perplexed until she realised by he, Theo meant Malfoy. Noticing her confused look, Theo continued. 
I don't want you going to see him. Do you hear me? Why? She had now fully sat up in bed and pushed Theo's hand completely off her. Because... Because I said so! Hermione was shocked at Theo's reaction to her wanting to go and see her friend. He hadn't even considered that she had meant seeing all three of them, Blaze, Pansy and Malfoy. What's wrong with wanting to go and see my friends? Pansy and Blaze are there too, remember? Not going to specifically see Malfoy. Thea was now out of bed and pacing around the room. Pansy and Blaze are fine. There's no need to go to see them. They'll be back this morning. You're not going to hospital wing. Hermione jumped out of bed, huffing as she pulled on one of Theo's jumpers over her pyjamas. He's my friend too. What is your problem? Theo opened and closed his mouth to say something, the anger clear in his tense jaw and glaring eyes. Eventually, he closed his eyes and took a deep breath before walking over to Hermione and opening his arms in apology. She stepped into him as he muttered a sorry and squeezed her tight. The evening had been stressful for them all, so she just wasn't about to blame him. One of his friends had almost died after all. I'm just stressed about the whole situation and I overreacted. I'm I'm so sorry, he said, burying his face in her curls and stroking circles on her back. You didn't see him last night in that hospital bed. It was horrible to see and I don't want to subject you to that. He'll be out in a few days anyway. She relaxed into her boyfriend's soothing embrace, nodding her head in understanding. It's okay, Theo. I I know it must have been a nasty experience to see someone you're close to in that situation. I just hope he's okay. He will be. Theo's words had calmed most of her worries about why she was so adamant that she didn't want to see Malfoy in the hospital wing. But she couldn't understand, given Theo's protective nature, that he wanted to protect her from any traumatic situations especially after they had spoken on multiple occasions about how the smell and sight of blood was a potential trigger for her following the war. Unbeknownst to Hermione yet, it wouldn't stop that little tiny niggle in the back of her head from growing suspicion at Theo's true reasoning for her not wanting to see Malfoy. (laughs) 